BBCC number six, my realization of the day, the word skyscraper. How cool is that fucking word? Like a building so tall that it scrapes the bottom of the sky. Where is the bottom of the sky exactly? Is it the stratosphere or the third? Uh, I don't know the other <laughs> spheres. I know the ozone layer. Um, it, like what? what is it like scraping the bottom of the clouds? If I was a superhero that my and my superpower was to like get super giant not that that would be my first choice as a superpower but if it was my name would be the skyscraper yeah well anyways let's get to the show Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It is episode number six. We are um, finishing up our three-volume series of covering the entire Chucky franchise. We're wrapping this bad boy up, covering the Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and I said that I wasn't going to spend much time on it, but it looks like I'm going to spend a little more time on it than I planned to talk about um, the fucking Child's Play 2019 remake. I actually liked it. Spoiler alert. Fuck. So I am going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, and then I didn't really research the TV show. So we're not going to, I'm not going to talk about the TV series because even though this is volume three and we're wrapping up coverage of the Chucky movies that have come out thus far, this will not be the end of um, our discussion talking about Chucky. I mean, he is our friend till the end. But the end is not near yet. Um, I will say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say anything and jinx it. But I will just say, we will be talking about Chucky again on this podcast in the future. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, but yeah, welcome back, Blade Blunt Cinema Club. Uh, this is a podcast. It's very high on horror films, as you can tell. I'm already smoking my joint, lit up. We are rolling. You know, I'm um, feeling a lot of things. Uh, I don't want to bring, you know, my outside world things because this is supposed to be just like, you know, horror movie getaway. Um, there's a lot going on. I won't go into detail. You know, the world is on fire, as you know, and a bunch of other shit. And, um, you know, so just be careful, everybody out there. Be safe. Um, tell your loved ones that you love them. Um, and, you know, think of your loved ones when you're making decisions about being out and about in public. And for the fucking love of whoever you worship, wear a goddamn mask. Like, it's like it's really easy. It's really easy to wear a mask. But anyways, um, but yeah, so there's a lot going on, but I just wanted to mention that. But besides that, you know, besides everything crazy going on and a lot of other stuff, I'm feeling good. Um, I am excited to uh, talk about these movies and recap it all. This might be a little bit of a long one, but that's okay. I don't care. Um, I'm no longer concerned with length. Um, you know, I see a lot of podcasts that are super long and you know, 90 minutes still isn't that bad. So if it goes 90 minutes, it goes 90 minutes. Who fucking is, it's my show. I'll do what I want. It's my show. Um, 
but I do want, so there's a lot to talk about there. Um, I do want to just like kind of reflect back on the past two episodes, um, you know, talking about Child's Play 1 through 3 um, was fun to kind of, you know, get into the, the roots of it and everything and the beginnings. And it's the original trilogy laid the foundation, obviously. And then volume two, we talked about Bride and Seed of Chucky, which just shook the shit out of this, the franchise. It shook the shit out of horror. It did uh, some completely crazy things. Oh, that was a juicy burp. I'm sorry. I literally have uh, a multitude of beverages around me. I actually meant to have a third beverage. I got my water, my tea. And I forgot my aloe vera drink out out in the kitchen. Oh, well, that's whatever. But um, and then volume three kind of reigns it back in. Um, it does like it's it's I mean, I don't want to say soft reboot because I don't like that. And it is still the same continuity. So I won't say soft reboot, but I will say it, um, you know, just it was another refresher. Every era of Child's Play slash Chucky refreshes itself for the modern era, whatever era it's coming out in. But then also to refresh itself, to keep it fresh. Uh, it switches the genres up, of course, as usual. Um, it's the same shit. And honestly, like volume three, um, I love these movies a lot. They, I'm going to do a YouTube video, uh, doing the ranking of the child child's play franchise. Like a, I'm not even gonna do a ranking. I'm gonna do a tier ranking because I've, uh, I've realized, you know, just ranking it straight is going to be a little bit tough. So, uh, I'm going to do a full video on that. Um, explaining my rankings a little bit more, but I will say upfront that I love curse and cult a lot. Um, And just a few things before we get into the movie. I appreciate the love of the podcast so far. Uh, Five episodes in, we're doing decent numbers. I appreciate people sharing it and retweeting it. Um, Shout out to the horror fam. I love you guys. Um, But yeah, so I'm really happy with where the show's going, but I want the show to continue to grow. So please make sure you're subscribing on Spotify and iTunes or wherever. Don't just listen to the podcast, like actually subscribe. So that way, you know, when the new episode comes out, it's just fucking there and ready to go. And um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, 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 please leave a five-star review. I'm sure you are sick and tired of hearing like every podcaster slash YouTuber that you watch or listen to. I'm sure you're like sick and tired of hearing that all the time. Like, oh, please leave a five-star review. But it does make a big difference, you know, in terms of making this podcast a little bit more discoverable and getting uh, getting the good word out there. So, I mean, it is important. I think what I'm going to do is because I, I don't have the details of it in my mind yet, but I'm going to do a giveaway. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a giveaway through the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So that way we can try to wrangle some more viewers in. And we can wrangle those uh, five-star reviews. And I'm going to do a giveaway contest. I don't know what the prize is going to be yet. I have some prizes in mind. Like, we'll figure it out. But just know that's that's going to come up soon. Because I'm a, I'm a real slut for the five-star reviews right now. You know, especially at the beginning of a podcast. Um, the five-star reviews are really big. So that way I can get my shit on the Discovered charts and all that jazz. Because... Yes, this is fun talking to myself about uh, the horror movies I love and talking to Harley, of course. Um, if you are watching the YouTube um, 
version of this. You got to see Harley during the intro. I'm a, I'll get Harley in here a little bit more in a minute, but he's uh, being real sweet laying on my foot right now. But yeah, it's it's fun talking to myself and Harley, but we want we want to expand the cult. Oh, I mean, I didn't say cult. I meant club. I want to expand the club. Boy Blunt Cinema Club needs more members. So, uh yeah, we're going to maybe I'll just continue to do bonus episodes, you know, doing two episodes a week. It's a lot of work. Like last week, I was my brain was a little bit melted, you know, watching five movies, doing the two episodes, coordinating via Zoom, all that jazz. I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit scatterbrained, um, but the episodes came out really good, so I was really happy with them. So please, please, please help uh, join join the club, help grow the club as well. You know, um, retweeting and sharing on Twitter or and Instagram and all that jazz. It just it does really help. And of course, I'm gonna say all this again at the end of the episode. But you know, I just need to hammer that shit home. You know. Oh no! Just drop my joint. All good. And then, um, oh, another shout out. I always like to shout out whatever t-shirts I'm wearing for the podcast. If you're watching the YouTube version, check out this dope Disco Fox t-shirt. I just got it in the mail the other day. It is from uh, the band The Knox. And um, I believe they did a Black Lives Matter fundraiser for the shirt. I just wanted the shirt because it said Disco Fox. I just really wanted that anyways. But if it also went to a Black Lives Matter charity, that's pretty cool too, I suppose. Yeah. So shout out to the Knox for this dope t-shirt. Let me get some more of this tea. Sorry, my voice sounds like shit right now. I mean, my voice already sucks. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm well aware I don't have the best podcasting voice and I'm sorry for that. But, um, you know, hopefully the, 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 the quality of the conversation outweighs the quality of my voice. But I sound particularly shitty today because I don't know why. My throat's just a little dry. Like, have you ever... I think it's because I'm recording this a little bit late. And do you ever have those days when you have not spoken to anyone? And then maybe you also, like, haven't, like, sang music to yourself. Or you haven't talked on... I mean, I did talk on the phone for, like, an hour today. But besides that... I haven't really talked much today, and then you kind of forget, and then I was like, oh shit, I'm going to record the podcast, maybe I should take some time to warm up, but nope, I don't think it matters, because my voice sucks anyways, so, you know, it is what it is, it is what it is, but I think that's all we got to get out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the movies, y'all, starting with the... Damn, Willem, that was rude. We're starting with The Curse of Chucky, released in 2013. This um, was... So, Seed of Chucky was the last movie to get released in theaters, or at least have a wide release. I know Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky both did have some limited run releases, but Seed of Chucky was the last large theatrical run of, um, of Chucky. So... And that came out in 2004, so we took a nine-year break. This is also the biggest gap between um, Chucky movies. Uh, Child's Play, the gap between Child's Play 3 and Bride of Chucky was seven years. So now it's been nine years, almost a decade, that Don Mancini stepped away from Chucky. But I think that worked out in its favor. I mean, actually, I think it worked out in its favor, but it also did hurt it a bit. How it worked out in its favor 
was that, you know, he could do another one of these refreshers, you know, switch up the genre and um, kind of rebrand Chucky once again, because, you know, I think as great as Bride and Seed of Chucky are for the time that they came out and for the nostalgia factor and for the gay factor, they are, they're great and so glad that they exist, obviously, and are and were important for the series in many ways but i think it did alienate a lot of horror fans chucky fans were in it you know no matter what but i think it did turn away a lot of horror fans especially seed of chucky because the camp level of it was just so high i mean this that movie should have been the reference for the met gala a couple of years ago when the theme was camp just wear anything from the seat of Chucky and you would have been winning the Met Gala that year because it's just, it was so out there and I think it really turned a lot of people off. So it turned a lot of people off. And so Don Mancini gets to step away for nine years, like I said. And in that nine years too, you know, because seat of Chucky was also his directorial debut. It wasn't the best. I mean, he made a movie and it's a very good entertaining movie. It looks like dog shit. <laughs> like it it is the worst looking Chucky movie like by far. Like even Bride of Chucky though it's like very gray and blue and like has that aesthetic even though I like that aesthetic for certain movies like Underworld per se. But even Bride of Chucky did have somewhat more of a, a sleeker presentation because it did have that, you know, uh, late 90s music video-esque aesthetic to it. Cedar Chucky looked like shit. Um, it looked like shit. Um, the editing was, you know, pretty sloppy. Things were just kind of all over the place. And like I said, it's entertaining and funny and has some good kills in it. And all the things that we talked about last episode... However, it was, um, you know, it is, it was what it was. And like I said, I think it did have an effect on just horror fans in general. So Curse of Chucky comes back. We're going back to basics. It's a fucking haunted or not a haunted house, but it's basically a home invasion movie. So, so, okay. Like I said, every era they go through different genres. Every Chucky film itself has different genres. So Curse of Chucky, we're working with home invasion elements, we're working with gothic horror elements um, because of the gothic uh, like mansion that Nika lives in and that the whole movie takes place in, takes place entirely in that house, which is fantastic. So you got home invasion and you got gothic horror and that's pretty much, and, and there's um some like, I mean, and of course there's dark comedy. This is where, you know, with Curse and Cult of Chucky, I think this is where there's that perfect blend of comedy and straight horror that Child's Play 2 has. You know, these movies are for are horror first again. Um, you know, especially Curse of Chucky, they kind of went similar to the very first movie. Um, Chucky doesn't um, talk a whole bunch in this one until the third act. We don't see as much of his personality. He's not cracking as many jokes. He doesn't have as many one-liners. They really scaled him back to kind of do the setup again of, you know, he's fucking with this despicable family that you absolutely hate. 
and he's messing with them. So you're getting that gothic mystery because it's like, you know, he's just kind of slowly toying with them and picking them off. And we're having fun enjoying that because this is a cast of super unlikable characters. So we're ready for him to fucking just bite it. Uh, I really, I really like this approach. Um, the Don Mancini improved big time in his directorial efforts. That's where I was going whenever I was uh, kind of uh, getting sidetracked by Cedar Chucky again. Don Mancini, he really stepped up his directorial skills. He, like Curse of Chucky, looks really nice. It has, you know, it, it's simple. It's a simple gothic, gothic horror aesthetic. It's dark. It's shadowy. There's lots of blues and greens. But it works, and then once um, Chucky's there, he like you know sticks out a little bit more. And I really like um, a lot of the look of the film, and it, there's a lot of great shots, like just like really well framed shots where there's some great scenes with good camera movement to it. Um, the way he frames the shots of Chucky to make him look you know more unsettling with the way he walks and all that jazz. Don Mancini really stepped up his game and I was so like you know again Don Mancini is just not only as the series evolved and progressed so as he as a director as a filmmaker because you know he started off just writing the first four films then started directing I mean and he's really turned into an all-around filmmaker now and I love that I love to see it we love to see it so um to to clear up something from last episode so David Kirshner not only is a producer on the film, he did um, create and design the Chucky doll from the original. And there's been a few different a, uh, puppeteers um, as far as um, working the uh, Chucky animatronics and stuff. Um, so Tony Gardner takes over in Curse of Chucky, and I believe he also does in Cult of Chucky as well, um, doing the puppetry and stuff for Chucky. Um, yep, Tony Gardner again. And Tony Gardner, I know that name. He helped create the helmets for Daft Punk. Okay, that's where I know that name from. I was I was wondering where I know his name from, and then he's worked on other movies such as the original Adams Family, Army of Darkness. Um, he worked on uh makeups for hairspray, uh makeup design for Zombieland, um, for Zombieland one and two. Um he's had a uh, nice little career there, so shout out to Tony Gardner. At least for these uh, most recent ones, I'm not gonna go back and try and retcon the other ones. So, so we have some um, reintroduced. They revamped the team a little bit. Um, who does the and the score uh, by Joseph DeLuca is or oh sorry Joseph Loduca not DeLuca Loduca um, did the score for Cult of Chucky and for Curse of Chucky fantastic scores um you know incorporating elements from the earlier chucky movies but then infusing the elements of the tone that he's working with so it just had this gothic feel to it we get um you know it's just it's just very eerie curse of chucky is a moody child's play movie we don't really have any like moody uh films in the like child's play one through three are you know they're a little bit more fast-paced. This one takes its time a little bit more. It lets us really revel in this family and their escapades. There's a lot of family drama going on too, so you got that genre going on. But this is a this is a moody film. You just like kind of you kind of sit in it a little bit. The basic setup for 
the reset up for Curse of Chucky is there you get introduced to Nika Pierce, played by Fiona Dorif, which is amazing, Brad Dorif's daughter. So now this is some legacy shit. Uh, we have a father and daughter that get to work together opposite of each other, which is super great. And it's great because Fiona Dorif, like, you know, not only just being Brad Dorif's daughter, she's a great actress in her own right. And Nika, you know, has become a very uh, fantastic character into the Chucky series canon. And I'm really excited to see where that'll go forward, but we'll get into a little bit later. But Fiona Dorif plays Nika Pierce. She is bound to a wheelchair. She was born that way. And, you know, so here we have Don Mancini. Now, think of some of the representation that Don Mancini has brought into the Chucky series. Um, It's really great because obviously he's brought in a lot of queer representation. We've had gay characters. We've had transgender characters. We've had bisexual characters. Um, We have more of that going on in Curse and Cult of Chucky as well. I forgot how, I mean, these movies are also still pretty gay. Not as gay as Bride and Seed of Chucky. Uh, Don Mancini reeled that in a little bit as well. And I don't think he like, you know, felt they needed to, but I think, um, I think he made the statements that he wanted to make with Bride and Seed of Chucky. And then he was able to, okay, go, okay, I made my statements now. I'm going to make these films. I'm still going to include gay shit in there, like gay characters and, uh, other shit like that. But it's not, I made my, I said what I need to say. Y'all heard me. So it's all good as far as representation goes. So we have all the queer elements of representation that we've had. Um, we've had depictions of the foster family, which is something we haven't seen a lot. I will say, I, I love you, Don. And I love all that you've done for representation. I wish we've had more uh, people of color, especially consider half the franchise takes place in Chicago. You know, so I'll just throw that out there. But we did get Tyler in Child's Play 3. We did get a um, black secondary protagonist. So, okay, I'll let him off the hook. But now we have a handicapped uh, or disabled protagonist in Nika. It's amazing. He just, he says, Don Mancini, he's he's the Oprah Winfrey of representation in, in horror cinema. He's like, you get represented, you get represented, you get represented. And we love to see it. Um, but yeah, and Nika is, um, will end up going on to be one of my favorite uh, characters in the franchise. Because um, she gets a lot more to do in Curse of Chucky. But so here in, uh, or sorry, in Cult of Chucky, she has a lot more to do. But here in Curse of Chucky is the setup that um, Chucky gets mailed off to the Pierce home. It is opened, um, and he immediately kills Nika's shitty-ass mom. We get one scene at the beginning showing how shitty her mom is, and um, she gets killed immediately, and she rightfully deserved it. And that's something, a trend that I'm going to point out, especially between these two movies. But, I mean, I mean, they did it in the other films, but a lot more in this film of Chucky definitely usually kills people that deserve it for the most part i'd say 75 percent of his kills are people that deserve it and i think that's just good writing by mancini that he can write all these other characters that that it matters that they die you know because obviously in horror movies 
there's characters that you'll see pop up and you're like, yes, they're just an expendable character that's going to increase the body count later. But Mancini actually does a really good job of giving reason as to why a lot of these people should die. They deserve it, especially in this one. This family sucks. So the mom um, gets killed immediately, prompting her sister and her husband and her niece uh, and their child, Nika's niece, Alice, to come over along with their live-in nanny as well. And then um, the family pastor, Father Frank, comes over as well. So now we got the gathering. We got all the people here. Um, Chucky is in the house. Of course, he uh, introduced uh, Alice takes a liking to the Chucky doll. And, you know, they're going to play hide the soul later. All the good stuff that we get from typical child's play movies. But Alice isn't super important here. I mean, she it, which is weird because, I mean, she's around a lot in this. And then she's mentioned a lot in Cult of Chucky. But um, she does doesn't seem to be all that important, which is kind of interesting to me. But um, that is our child protagonist for this because we have to have a child protagonist um, because I guess that we always do need to keep a reason <laughs> for Chucky to be around as to why a killer doll is around. So there always has to be a child protagonist. So we have that in Alice. But um, you find out that there is a riff between Nika and her sister. What the fuck is her sister's name? Man, it's like half my notes. I just have sister written down. I really should write down the fucking um, Barb. Of course, her name is fucking Barb. I really need to write down the names of characters when I'm taking notes. Because usually when I'm watching movies, I guess I'm not thinking about it. But while I'm taking notes, so I just have sister written a few times, which is fucking dummy. Um, but Barb is um, Barb and Ian are having issues because they're not having as much money as they usually do. And you might ask if they don't have as much money as usual because so when the mother dies, Barb is trying to get Nika to sell the house. She's trying to tell her, since you're handicapped, you can't take care of the house by yourself. It's a lot of work. You put strain on yourself. Um, all these things. And trying to make her feel bad and wanting to get her into assisted living so that way they can sell the house and make some money because Barb likes her life of um, luxury. And so you'd ask, why, if they're struggling on money, do they have a living keeper? Well, because Barb is gay. And they're they're um having, you know, they're having their little fun affair behind Ian's back. Which is fun. I, I for some reason, because I mean I haven't watched this movie in a like a year or two. And for some reason, I forgot that it was Barb in the house sitter. I thought it was Ian in the house sitter. Because that's the typical thing in a movie. But then Don Mancini says, no, 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 gay people exist. So this is what's going on. So and so Barb is, you know, even though she's a gay bisexual queen, she is a bisexual bitch as well. But um, but she's um, she's really fun. She's played by uh, Danielle Basuti. Bis- I think that's how you say her name. Danielle Basuti. Um, and I was like, where do I know her from? True Jackson VP on Nickelodeon. I never even watched that movie all that much, but I recognized her because she's like has just that 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 face, you know. But um but she does play um she does play very well. I guess you would say she's like the secondary protagonist or secondary antagonist here. Cause that's the trend I've noticed with all the Chucky movies as well. I mean, you do have Chucky as the main antagonist, and Tiffany also also counts as a main antagonist. 
but then um but then there's usually always a human secondary antagonist that is um impeding our protagonist as well and barb does a really good job of that do you do you get that um sister uh banter back and forth you can tell that they just have a rocky relationship between each other and um uh, it's portrayed really well the reasons are really well um they just set up her character really well and make but they make you like really dislike her so it's all good so chucky is going to of course kill everybody in this family at one point or another and he's gonna kill all the people he's gonna reveal himself to nika and we eventually find out some retconned information to the lore so as i did for some of the other movies to try and keep these a little tidy my thoughts i'm just gonna go through six things um once again that i love from curse of chucky or the six main things and i already talked about don mancini uh, stepping up his directing game. That's my first point out the gate. Um, I Like I said, it just looks a lot better. There's better camera movement. It just feels like a, an established filmmaker made this film. So kudos to Don Mancini for that. Um, in particular... Ah, I thought I had a burp. Hold on. Oh, man. And that was away from the mic. I'm sorry. I think I might leave that one in. <laughs> I got fill up extra time, you know, when there's not another person to talk to, so you get my burps. So one of the best scenes is this dinner scene. So you have Barb, she's always talking down to Nika. She doubts her skills that she can function on her own. Everybody's always talking down to her, which is weird to me because like the sister and mom always talking down to her. But yet she's grown up like this. She was born without the use of her legs she's been disabled this whole time so i find it weird that they almost treat her like she's been in an accident or something like and that she's only been doing this for a little bit and can't handle herself if i've been in a wheelchair for fucking i'd uh i don't know how old nika is in this movie if i had to guess i'd say somewhere in the mid to late 20s if i've been in a wheelchair for 25 plus years I know damn well I'm going to be like crispy as shit in that wheelchair and know how to get around. I'm going to, especially living in the same house, like I get it. It has stairs and stuff, but she's got fucking lifts. She's got the stair lift. She's got the the elevator. I just, I, I, I didn't get that. I mean, I just know it's just to add more animosity between them and to make you feel for Nika a little bit more. But it just doesn't make sense to me, like, how hard people are on her. But anyways, so Barb doubts that she can cook dinner for everybody. So Nico, with the help of Alice, she makes some, uh, some chili, <clears throat> vegetarian chili. I don't know why that was thrown in. Is Don Mancini a vegetarian or a vegan? Not sure. But um, she makes them some veggie chili. Apparently it's real bomb, but she makes it, and then we see Chucky add some rat poisoning to one of the chilies. And then there's this fantastic shot of they're sitting or they're sitting in the large dining room and the table set and they're bringing out the chili plates. And as you're doing it, they're passing out the chili plates uh, like in a counterclockwise fashion, but the camera spinning in a clockwise fashion. So it's mixing up and you kind of forget and you don't realize which bowl of chili has the rat poisoning in it. So it's like, ooh, this is fun. They're going to have a little dinner. Of course, there's like a couple fake outs 
um, you know, somebody going, oh, wait, 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 wait. And then it's like, oh, we didn't say grace. And then he's, and then it's like, oh, ah, ah. and everybody's like, what, what? And he's like, this is amazing. And then Alice even like, she's like, oh, it tastes funny. It must have too much oregano in it. And so you're like, no, are they going to kill a kid this early in the movie? You guys know how I like it when they kill kids. Um, but no, it's not Alice. It ends up being um, Father Frank. He's not feeling good. He leaves and gets in a car accident afterwards. Really fantastic scene. Like a real, like that's a like very well directed sequence and scene. One of the best directed sequences and scenes of the entire Chucky series. So hats off to you, Mr. Mancini, again for stepping up your directing game. And there's uh there's just uh, some other really cool shots too. Um, I've noticed between Curse and Cult of Chucky, but really all the Chucky films, Don Mancini really loves his split diopter shots. What's a split diopter shots? Ooh, I've been meaning to explain this to make me sound like I know film things. I mean, I know film stuff, but uh, the split diopter shot, which was, um, I don't know if it was created, but it was popularized by Brian De Palma when he directed Carrie. And all it is is a split diopter shot is, you know, because there's a depth of field. And so if a character is closer and a character is farther away, the one that's closer or the one that's far away, usually one of them's in focus, the other one's out of focus. Split diopter shots are when you have the two characters framed in the scene side by side, but at different distances, but they are um, in equal focus together. So it makes this really weird, like it makes the conversation that they have feel more immediate and intimate. And it's just a very, it just, it kind of looks funky. So it kind of has this unnatural look to it. And Don Mancini loves these shots. I mean, Bride of Chucky has a couple, um, and then Cedar Chucky has a couple, but Curse and Colt have a bunch of them in them. He really loves those shots. And I think they're cool. I think that's a nice little trademark that Don Mancini put into the Child's Play um, series. It's just a reoccurring thing. So, yeah, he really likes the split dioptic shots. And then um, and he likes uh, doing the slow motion as well. We see it um, a couple times in Colt to Chucky, but we first see it in this one when Chucky rams Nika off the balcony and she like does like a front somersault. It looks really cool, even though you can totally tell the stunt person who uh, was playing Nika like had to push off of the balcony when they did it. But it's cool because that's how I know that they actually got a stunt man to do that stunt and they didn't animate it. So that's really cool. Um, touching on animation as well, they do. I don't love some of the CGI in this because they CGI'd a few of the shots of Chucky walking. And there's a shot where he's coming down the stairs and it just kind of looks wonky and a CGI Chucky just kind of looks wonky in general. And it sticks out because the doll in the doll design in this one is really good. Um, I'd say it's my favorite Chucky design of the entire series. You have Chucky um, having like a normal face that's put together. Um, It's unsettling looking. It's just it leans it doesn't have like that progression. It's just like that doll human hybrid, but it's like, it kind of goes back and forth. Like it's like almost Chucky can control it. Like he can make himself look like the doll when he's faking it. But then when it changes, it kind of looks a little bit more human. Like I like that. 
And then we also see that he had rubber covering up the stitches from Bride of Chucky. Because I think initially people did see this and kind of think of it as a reboot. But then once the stitching is revealed and then other details are revealed too later, like once we see Andy and Tiffany, then you know that it's a continuation and everything has still happened. So I really love the Chucky design in this too. So once again, kudos to Don Mancini for stepping his game up. Another point that I had was the gothic setting and influence, but I can just kind of loop that in to Don Mancini's directing game. I already um, talked about the the house. It's just very sprawling. I love um, how I love movies that film in real sets that they build. So they were able to build the set, and because the entire movie was set there. <clears throat> and what's cool about when a set is built is you really can connect and get to know the geography and layout of the house. And once you have that, it makes it more interesting because you know, you know, how many floors are, which rooms lead where, how big you get a scope of the house. I really love films that um, make a point to do that. And so this large Gothic house just worked out really well for that. Um, you know, you can't have a, you can't have a Gothic house without Chekhov's elevator slash dumbwaiter. Um, it's all old and creaky. And of course the power will go out and Nika cannot use it rendering her, um, you know, giving her more obstacles as a disabled protagonist. So the Gothic setting adds to not only the aesthetic of the film, but it's going to add, um, in to some scenes of character development for our protagonist. This movie is really tight. I will say that's very tight. Um, my next point, which I already shouted out, Nika as well, being one of my favorite protagonists, not only because she's disabled and doesn't let her hold back, but we're going to have a very interesting arc with her that we get a lot more of in Cult of Chucky. But it's cool to have a handy, capable protagonist. Um, one, she's gorgeous. There's also that, like, I think she is, a, even though I do see her dad's face in her face a lot, but I mean, I guess that's the the case with any celebrity, um, you know, any celebrity kid who, but I guess just the fact that I see his face in her face and then hear his voice from Chucky and then it gets, and then you get even some more weird feelings about that in Coulter Chucky. But, um, just want to shout her out. She'll be in Tenet whenever that movie is released. So, um, excited that other people will get to see Fiona Dorif and I really hope she has a substantial part in that film and um other people can see her talents because she's really good yeah but we get right out the gate that even though she lacks confidence sometimes she is very strong she isn't afraid to tell her sister or mom how she feels or to prove people wrong and then like i said i already kind of shouted out that we get some really great scenes in the third act of her facing off with chucky because once again in order to buy Chucky as a antagonist, and I'll get into this with Colta Chucky as well, is you have to make the protagonist formidable for him. So it's like, obviously, there's a reason that Chucky doesn't just come like strictly after adults. I mean, he does kill a lot of adults, but that's not his goal all the time. The fact that it's always a kid, or in this case, someone that's handicapped, 
is because, you know, it's putting them on Chucky's level because he has a disadvantage since he's small and a doll and you got to buy, you know, the things that he can do physically. So I like that the Chucky franchise always finds a reason to make their protagonist on Chucky's level a little bit more because even though you're suspending your, um, you know, you have the suspension of disbelief with Chucky being a killer doll doing all these things. But if you want to make it, you know, you don't want to have to suspend it too much. You got to have a protagonist that makes sense that they would struggle against Chucky because he is just a doll. But Nika, very dynamic character. And then um, and we find out how she gets tied into the other movies. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, That'll be the last note we talk about. Um, like I said, I already mentioned this too. I like that all the characters are pretty hateable for the most part. Ian isn't bad until the end where he doesn't believe Nika and then gets, and he puts himself in a position to get killed, which is unfortunate because he wasn't a terrible character. He was, he was uh, definitely the nicest to Nika. I mean, the, the housekeeper or the nanny, Jill, she was also nice to her as well. But you know they're all flawed characters, so it's like you you're rooting against Barb. You're kind of you're rooting against the nanny because she's also cheating. Um, I mean Father Frank, eh? I mean I guess he's not too hateable. He's just like I don't know, just didn't really like his face. And Father Frank, kind of a funky name. And and but and the mom at the beginning, she she deserved it because she was kind of a bitch. So you have this whole family, and that's why it makes it's a it makes it a lot more fun when you have these hateable characters, it makes it more fun for us to watch Chucky kill them. Cause like I said, it's, it's kills that mean something because we feel something about that character. You don't always have to like them to care about them in the film. It's that we don't like them and we don't care about them. Hence why we want them to die. So it just makes it, it makes it more fun and the movie and its violence isn't mean spirited is what I really like about um, the fact that, they have all these hateable characters. Speaking of kills, the kills from here on in, I mean, I feel like just as the franchises went on, it keeps increasing itself um, as far as um, the violence goes. It's gotten bloodier over the years. It's gotten more violent. Um, Chucky has used a variety of ways to kill people. And just as the series went on, it just keeps going crazier. Like, fucking right out the gate, we get to see that the kills are a lot more violent around this time. With Father Frank, he is the first death because he was the recipient of the rat poisoned. Um, Oh, my God. His face looks so fucking cute. Oh, my God. Like, say something, Harley. (laughs) Told you, you gotta get that Harley ASMR here. I'll get him eating a treat in here for you. But um, Father Frank, he had the rat poison chili and he ended up getting into a car accident that pinned like a piece of metal, had him decapitated, you know, and then of course they moved the metal and then, but like he's pinned and the police are trying to talk to him and shit and he like responds and he's breathing still and then they pull the metal off and his head rolls off. Really great stuff. Um, Super bloody. Um, and I like that these two films also, they both have um, rated R and unrated versions of them with the unrated just having extra blood. Like some of these kills, I noticed they just go on like a little extra long, like just like repeated stabbings or just like very long sequences. 
Um, one of my favorite deaths in here is Jill's death sequence. Um, Don Mancini said on a tweet along that he always writes electrocution deaths into his screenplays because that is his biggest fear. So that is why someone, so, I mean, we have it in Child's Play 2. Um, we have it here. We have it in Bride of Chucky as well. And then we also get one in, um, Cult of Chucky, I believe. I can't remember. But yeah, so that's also a recurring motif within the Chucky canon here. Why does it? Harley's, oh, he's worrying me. He didn't eat his lunch today. He's not taking the snacks. I'm trying to hand them down here. But yeah, Jill gets, um, she's, um, having her little, her little Skype session with Barb, which, why are they trying to have a secret Skype session? She's literally laying in bed next to Ian. I mean, I guess the thrill of it, you know, that's a, a lot of cheaters or, um, if it's not for the love, it's for the thrill, you know? So I guess that's why, but anyways, that's going on. Chucky kicks over a bucket of water and it hits the charging cord, electrocutes her for like a good like 45 seconds. I love that they they literally just hold on her, and since she's electrocuted, she's just stuck in one position, and she's just staring dead down the camera as you see her just like skin starting to char and smoke coming, and her eye is like twitching and shit. It's just a really great kill. They hold on it for a long time, and the score for the movie like, this is when it gets, like, really good. The second half of the movie, like, from Jill's death on, every track from the score is a banger. Like, man, he really fucking went um, hard on the fucking score for this. Shout out once again to Joseph Loduca. Killer score. But the kills were a lot of fun. Like, literally all of them are, because Barb gets stabbed in the eye and sent down the stairs Ian gets his fucking jaw chopped off. Like, I mean, they are all brutal kills. Um, the very ki- the kill at the very beginning, even though it's an off-screen kill, I like the way that they did it because Don Mancini had a really cool shot where you see um you see what happened in the reflection of blood as it spills in from off camera where the off-screen death happened. That is how you do an off-screen kill. Like I said, this movie, it's very clean. The The Curse of Chucky is a very clean and crispy film. Probably the cleanest and crispiest film of it. And when I say clean and crispy, I'm talking from the look, but it's a very tight story too. You know, it's, it's one location, all set in the house, one family, takes place over just a couple of nights. It's uh, just very contained, very simple, sleek, crispy. You know what I'm talking about now. So that's that's what I really like about Curse of Chucky. And um, but everybody gets killed in really great ways. Don Mancini has some great stuff. But the one thing that I will knock, and it's it's weird because I shouted it out as like a positive in volume one, but now as I've rewatched the entire series and like gotten the continuity down, I mean I, like I said, I'm happy that they tied everything in the past back in, and this wasn't just a refresh or reboot, um, minus Glenn slash Glenda not being around, which is really sad. I think, I think they're dead. Um, I'll mention, uh, I'll talk about that in, in, um, fucking, uh, I guess, I think it was Curse of Chucky. 
or not curse of Chucky, cult to Chucky, where he, um, talks it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, the continuity gets a little bit messy here because what we find out is Charles Lee Ray was obsessed with Nika's mom, Sarah. He was obsessed with her mom and Barb was already born. Sarah was pregnant with Nika. He kills Nika and Barb's dad, who is now around, causing, and then he kidnaps Sarah while she's pregnant with Nika. He kidnaps her because he thinks they're in love and all this stuff and they're going to start a family and kidnapping and blah, blah, blah. There's a few problems here because as we saw in Seed of Chucky, he wanted nothing to do with having a family. He was weird about marrying Tiffany he was weird about raising Glenn slash Glenda. So what was, but I mean, I know obviously this is after all of this happened, but you're trying to tell me that Charles Lee Ray, you know, wasn't just a crimer because that's what I said at the beginning of Child's Play 1 because I thought it was a burglary. Or I guess that's what we all thought, but no, he was just out criming because it turns out he, so he kidnapped Sarah, she calls the police and um, he gets really mad at her for calling the police because he thought that they were going to live happily ever after because now they just made Charles Lee Ray a, he's just a creep now. Like before, he was just a sadistic killer. Straight, that's all he did. He was a crime, he is a crime guy. He was a killer. He was the Lakeshore Strangler. He wasn't known for being a creep. And then, so I just don't get this retcon, so he's upset. And he's so upset, they stab Sarah in the stomach with Nika, hence why Nika is in the wheelchair. Huh. Okay, I mean, that's a cool way to tie Nika to Charles Lee Ray. But then they make it a point that he immediately took off from Sarah calling the cops on him. And that's where Child's Play 1 starts. And why he ran into the toy store. Not because he was doing crime with Eddie Caputo. Who was waiting with the getaway car. Because he was running away from Sarah. So what? He was running away from Sarah. At some point stopped at a payphone to page Eddie Caputo. To have the getaway car ready. But they never. They didn't get into that. Which is weird. Because they made a point to kill Eddie Caputo. That Chucky wanted revenge on Eddie Caputo. Why did Chucky want revenge on Eddie Caputo. If Eddie Caputo wasn't there. When he was doing the crime. And that he got killed during. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Is all I'm getting at. <clears throat> but whatever. It was the best that they could do. To tie it back in. And if that's the best they could do. That's fine. It makes an interesting dynamic. Between Chucky and. Um, and Nika, because now she obviously hates him not only for killing her family and framing her for it, but for also putting her in the chair. It just, um, it just doesn't fit up well because, I mean, Bride of Chucky already retconned a few things that he was wearing an amulet, but then that didn't matter. So he not only wants to transfer his body into Alice, but he wants to get revenge on the Pierce family. It just... And it's like, was he already the Lakeshore Strangler at the time? I mean, he had to have been. So how was he just hanging out at the... I mean, I guess because he was a secret serial killer. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, no, it is in Curse of Chucky. Um, Chucky nails home 
my fucking, um, he nails home my point of the original trilogy being all about childhood trauma. I mean, really, I've realized the whole series is about trauma, but the original trilogy focused on the childhood trauma of Andy, like Chucky, literally, he's talking about all the families that he's went through and killed and like leading to, you know, it's been a long time leading up to coming back to the Pierce family. Again, if you had this big vengeance and vendetta against the Pierce family, why wouldn't that have been his priority in the original trilogy and then bride Ancy to Chucky? Why is that he just now getting to this in the sixth movie? But, but um, he does mention he's talking about the families and he does say he says he says he the he says the Barclays, he says the Kincaids. He says, um, and then he says, the Tillies. So, at the end of Seed of Chucky, Tiffany has transferred her body into actress Jennifer Tilly's body. Glenn and, or Glenda, Glenn slash Glenda has split their soul into two, into a, a boy and a girl twins, surrogates, that, that Jennifer Tilly had. Okay, and then they live for like five years. And then Chucky, at the end of the movie, just sends an arm and attacks Glenn. So we're assuming that, so what I'm assuming, because he says the Tillies, so I mean, Tiffany took Jennifer Tilly's body over, so that's killing her. I'm assuming he means that he killed Glenn slash Glenda, his own kid. Damn, Chucky, that's fucking cold. And the fact that they not only did it off camera, but also just made an offhanded comment about it. This isn't confirmed. That's my theory. I mean, Don Mancini has talked about old characters coming back into the Chucky TV series. I mean, unless that line of dialogue confirms that Glenn slash Glenda is dead, we could, um, we could be seeing Glenn slash Glenda in the TV series. And that would just be fucking crazy. And then at the end of the movie, You know, we get um we get Tiffany and now she's just doing what Chucky says again, which I'm confused because when she had been upset, if he killed Glenn slash Glenda, why would she stay with him? And uh, I don't know. Again, the, the continuity is a bit weird, but, you know, they attempted it. Like I said, at least they're not like Halloween where they say, oh, these movies count, but these ones don't. And it's um, this movie is a sequel to this, so at least it doesn't do that, <clears throat> so, um, as I've given Don Mancini credit over these three episodes for the continual creative continuity across the films, he did a decent enough job of coming up with a reason to why this all makes sense, oh, Harley's finally eating, I wonder if you guys can hear that in the background, that's a good boy, <clears throat> he is, got fucking love this dog guys you don't even know um some more notes i shouted out the score a few times because i really like it um there is still some comedy here they didn't remove the comedy completely they just toned it down and they toned down chucky's personality a bit but he still has just some really great dialogue in here fucking all chucky teaching alice just like these tough life lessons that god doesn't exist and that everyone dies and blah 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 and um, the first words that we hear from Chucky are great whenever um, he comes to life in front of Alice and his um, Alice says, oh, my God, I'm scared. And he says, you fucking should be. 
really great um, first lines because I think it's like 45 minutes into the movie before like Chucky speaks in this one. And then um, he has another line. I don't remember if it's when he killed Barb or when he killed Jill. But he goes, women can't live with them, period. <laughs> and I love it when Chucky takes like famous lines and then subverts them with something else and he makes it his own, you know. I, I really like it when he does that. Um, like when he does it with The Shining, he get, he goes, he like puts his head through the door and he doesn't say anything. He just goes, I can't think of a thing to say right now. Um, so I like it when he has his references to other things, but then puts his own spin on it. Um, there's comedy going on with the family drama. Um, when Ian confronts Barb about her cheating on him with the, uh, nanny, because he's like, why do we still have the nanny? Blah, blah, blah. And then she tries to turn around on him and be like, oh, it's a part of your perverted fantasy, blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. And she goes, I, I see the way you look at her trying to turn it around. But then he just calmly goes, ditto, because he had the camera set and then all this other stuff. Really great exchange there. And then um, Chucky also has a line before he kills Barb and stabs her in the eye. He looks at her and he goes, you have your mother's eyes. They were always too close together and then just starts stabbing the shit out of her eyes. Um, really great stuff. So Curse of Chucky is one of my favorites. I Is it the best of the Chucky movies? No. But it's one of my favorites. We will get into more detail about that when I do the tier ranking of the franchise video. So now we're going to get into Cult of Chucky, which I forgot how much I like this one too. This one I like a lot because it is like my aesthetic like or at least like the way I would have made this particular one again Don Mancini just keeps stepping his game up um this one so so Cult of Chucky <clears throat> follows it is four years after the events of Curse of Chucky where Nika has been at the end of Curse of Chucky you know she was sentenced away for the deaths of her family she was you know charged for it we find out that Nika pled insanity, so she's been spending four years at a high-security mental institution, and after four years is now getting transferred into a medium security. You know, she gets a little bit more freedom and things like that, but she's been doing um, therapy with Dr. Foley, and he is now getting her transferred, and at the beginning of the movie also, we see Andy at the end of Curse of Chucky, um... Tiffany mails Chucky to Andy and um which is weird because in one scene they show him doing the ritual on Alice but I guess we find out it doesn't work somehow even though Tiffany still raises Alice for a little bit for those four years so yeah I don't know why so again I don't know why they did these weird choices with Alice because they just didn't really care about her as you know in Cult of Chucky, we do get away from that child surrogate protagonist. We don't need them anymore because now, you know, we have Nika still the main protagonist, but the secondary protagonists are all people in a mental institution. We have people that are mentally unhealthy that are now the protagonist. So again, it takes them down a little peg and gives reason to why they can be, why it makes sense that Chucky has, you know, struggles against them a little bit because even though they're adults, they're adults not exactly at, you know, the highest mental level. 
you know, with varying degrees of schizophrenia, um, multi-personality disorder. And again, we have Don Mancini saying representation for everyone. We're talking about mental health now. Um, I mean, he, he really just touches on everything and I just, man, I really appreciate him for it. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention, but I guess I can tie it into where I'm going, uh, here in a second. We not only, um, spend, you know, we spend most of the time with Nika and Cult of Chucky, but we do spend some time with Andy Barkley. Andy Barkley came in at the end. Tiffany sends, Tiffany sends Chucky to Andy now and Andy, um, is on the phone with his mom, and then he turns around, shoots Chucky in the face. Fast forward to Colt to Chucky, he has just Chucky's head half blown off that he's been torturing, and he like has it like nailed to like a wooden thing. You know, we see that Andy has been waiting for this. He like takes him to a cabin where he's got all of his weapons and all this shit so he can torture him. And but he also is sitting with him and like talking with him because once again, Chucky is the manifestation of Andy's childhood trauma. I mean, even though he's the one that causes the childhood trauma, he just stands in for just childhood trauma in general. <clears throat> and in Curse of Chucky, when Chucky is talking about all the families that he's went through, he mentions, um, and then Nika tries to get him off his game by talking shit and saying, oh, you couldn't kill this little kid. You must be a terrible killer. It takes this long, blah, blah, blah. And then he retorts, I killed Andy's childhood, which is good enough. And that just, boom, right there, hammers, you know, the original trilogy and Andy's whole arc. And then we see this at the beginning of the film. He tries to go out on a date with a girl, but she Googled him and found out that he was the victim of all the stuff and, you know, did all of her research and shit. And he's just like, why'd you have to do that? Like, and she's like, why didn't you tell me? And she just basically says, you're fucked up. Mike and I can't do this so I don't know that's really shitty but not just shitty it's you know just it it sucks for Andy because that's just like one little facet of the trauma that he's dealt with over the years of dealing with Chucky but not only do the patients like make it interesting you know because like I said it, it levels the playing field a little bit for Chucky to actually have um, or to, for it to make sense for Chucky to be such a danger to these people. I mean, Chucky's a danger to anybody, but like I said, it just kind of uh, levels the playing field taking place here at the Mental Institute and having these mental patients. And, um, but we'll get into that here in a sec, a little bit more once I get into like my like main six bullet points. Also, if you're watching the video version, sorry about the change in quality. Uh, it's going to kind of look like shit, but of course I'm fucking this new camera Thought it was going to do all the things I needed it to do, but it's not doing all the things I need it to do. So, I'm going to figure that out. Might not have the video for this one. Who knows? But man, this is just like really annoying me. So, the quick rundown of uh, Cult of Chucky is, like I said, it picks up four years after uh, after the death. Nika is in this hospital. She gets to go to a medium security, so she has a little more freedom. She can interact with other people now. Um, she was in a high security that had cameras in a room, so there's no more cameras in a room either. Um, shit like that, so she has a little more freedom. Apparently, this happened because of Dr. Foley, who thinks that Nika's been making all this progress and all the work they've been doing together. Blah. Fuck this guy. We'll get into that in a minute, too. And it just uh, it makes it really interesting. But not only that, like I said, you have the side story where we're checking in with Andy. Um, 
you know, coming face to face with his childhood trauma as well. So um, they don't spend as much time with Andy. And I know that's a complaint that a lot of people had with this movie. Because now, after Curse of Chucky, that and then Cult of Chucky came out, and Cult of Chucky was released straight to Netflix. So it had that benefit. So now people know, oh, there's new Chucky movies. Chucky movies are back. And they went and rewatched Curse of Chucky and had the great, you know, after credit scene with Andy. So people came into this one expecting either it to be split between them equally, or I think maybe a lot of people thought this was going to follow Andy. And so a lot of people got kind of disappointed that um, Andy has a few scenes at the beginning and they sideline most of the movie, um, has like maybe one scene in the middle somewhere, and then he comes in in the end during the final act and like his, even though he's at the mental hospital, his addition to the third act finale doesn't really connect with what's going on with Nika. And they're trying to connect these two, but it just doesn't happen so that that does kind of suck so we don't spend a whole lot of time with Andy but he does get to it does like put some closure on the themes of um of the first child's play trilogy you know because you had to come back to it especially after you know he goes away for Colt or he here he go, not for Colt he goes away for Bride and Seed of Chucky and then now he's back and then we got him at the end of Curse of Chucky so of course people were wanted to spend a little more time with Andy so I get the complaint but I'm also not all that upset about because we did you know he had his trilogy and though it might not have ended the best and then now we get to see his wrap up I mean just having any closure with them is good enough for me I think it works so so that that happens so but but that's why I say this the entire series is about trauma it's not just about Andy dealing with trauma you know and Bride of Seed of Chucky either but now in Curse and Cult of Chucky now Nika has all this trauma that child that Chucky has created I mean he's created since her birth we find out obviously in Curse of Chucky that she's the that he's the reason she's in the wheelchair so he's already created all that pain for her and then the trauma of now her having to fucking serve, you know, she's been in fucking a mental prison for four years when we get to this point in the mo- or to cult of Chucky now. So, I mean, she's really dealing with some shit from Chucky. Like he's really putting her through it. So the, the series in general is just about trauma and, and not just Andy's. Um, but like I said, Andy gets some closure, gets to torture Chucky a little bit. He comes in, in the third act, after he commits himself to the mental institution by punching a security guard makes no sense and they also like let him keep his clothes and all of his things in i don't know i don't know what that mental institution is up to maybe i think they didn't expand on it more that i mean obviously dr foley's evil but i don't know that he has like power over that institution or what i don't know um but it was just weird so and then andy gets to kill one of the chuckies so um as we get into the six things that stood out to me about the cold Chucky that I wanted to talk about, the first thing that we'll address is the multiple Chucky's um, thing that's going on in this movie. There's a cult of Chucky now. So sometime in between, I mean, I guess it happened. They knew how to do it because they split um, Glenn slash Glenda into a pair of twins. They, they split Glenn slash Glenda's soul 
into a pair of twins. So they do know how to do this at the end of Seed. Um, Mancini did have this idea for multiple Chuckies in the, um, for the third one, for Child's Play 3, which would have made that movie infinitely more interesting because at the beginning, there's the vat of the melted plastic, or maybe it was for Child's Play 2, but I think it would have made Child's Play 3, and it would have made sense for Child's Play 3, is that military academy, have a little militia of Chuckies, so it would have just made sense, because there was like a shot of, there's a vat, and then when they pick up um, Chucky's body, yeah, no, it is at the beginning of 3, because they're picking up the melted remains that have been there for for nine years, the nine year gap between two and three, and the blood spills into the melted plastic. And so some people would be like, oh, wouldn't it make sense to make multiple Chucky's, not just his blood going to that one vat, because that vat isn't just making one Chucky doll. So, but they didn't do that in Child's Play 3 because of budgetary restraints and the fact that they fucking made that movie in like seven months like or or from start to release it was nine months so they like made that movie so fast so mancini has been wanting to do this for a little bit and then i guess for whatever reason he didn't do it with bride or uh, seed of chucky but so he brings it into this and it just i mean now it like the thing with it is i just don't get the point and i think like i just don't get why he wants the multiple chuckies at this point charles lee ray because at the end of Seed of Chucky, he says, you know what? I don't, I'm even done trying to transform my body into a human body because I like being a killer doll. It makes more sense. I never die, blah, blah, blah. But then he goes back on that in Curse of Chucky because he wants to transfer his body into Alice. And then at the end of this one, he transfers his body into Nika. So he does care about having a human body again. But what is up with the multiple Chuckies? Was it just because he wanted to have multiple Chuckies for optimal terror to to aid his you know killing spree to just shake things up a little bit what was i don't know what chucky's reasoning behind it is and it just doesn't make sense because now that he's learned this skill chucky is like really powerful now because the 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 you know what i had the impression that we've been given about charles lee ray from the five or from the six films previous but mainly in the original trilogy is like he's not like a voodoo ritual master or anything. He was just a guy that like dabbled in it with his, with that black dude from the first one. He just like dabbled in the voodoo dark arts. He's not like some sort of like master or anything, but now he has the power like because before he even just switching between one body was hard enough for him and he couldn't seem to do it or he needed an amulet. Now he doesn't need the amulet anymore. And he can just switch fucking bodies at will. He can split the souls up. I mean, again, there was a four-year gap in between it. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it would have been cool to see, like, a little flashback of, like, two years ago when they're, like, learning more of this voodoo shit. And why is Tiffany helping him with the voodoo shit other than because she's just been, like, brainwashed by him at this point? Which is kind of weird. I don't know. She just seems like a slave now rather than them being in love because they actually like had a relationship in bride and Cedar Chucky. But now it's just Tiffany is just comes in and out of the movie to do things to either deliver him somewhere. I mean, shit, she is a regular at this fucking shitty ass postal service that gets used 
to send fucking packages anonymously to people all the time. But that's the only time that Tiffany comes into this movie is to do something for Chucky. So, I mean, I guess it's now she's more of a servant to him in, and she's worshiping him as a cult leader, but a cult leader of himself. He's not turning other people into Chucky's or getting them to follow him. So it's just a cult of himself. I mean, yes, we all know that Chucky is really into himself. He thinks he's hilarious. He thinks he's the shit. He thinks everyone's in love with him. I don't know. So even though the multiple Chuckies is a cool thing and we get some fun scenes with them interacting with each other, um, we get some really cool mystery elements to the film because you don't know because there's multiple dolls in the asylum or not asylum, but in the mental institute with them. So it's like this game of okay, which doll is Chucky soul in? Oh, is it multiple? Is it in Malcolm now? Is it in someone else? Is he, you know, it's very interesting, but it's just like, I don't know. It's weird that Charles Lee Ray is this like powerful voodoo master now. I also think it's weird. They just doesn't really have a reason to, because in the end he just is transferred into Nika's body. So what was the point in all of this besides just to fuck with Nika and Andy more? I mean, but that is also Chucky's thing. He's just, like, kind of in it for the fucking shits and gigs. So, <clears throat> want to address that off the bat. Because that's my own... Because that's my complaint with it. And, it, I mean, like I said, it still does work. Because we get some really cool trippy sequences. We get funny sequences between Chucky's. We get uh, Chucky's killing multiple people. Or, like, the Chucky's teaming up and killing people together. It makes for some fun scenes, but that's about it. Like, because it just doesn't make sense in the context of the Chucky canon now. So now I'm like, really, see this third episode, that's why this is the longest, because now I'm like really analyzing the series now. And yeah, I just don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And because I don't, I also don't know if they did some of these things with another movie in mind. Because I think the plan was they were going to do another movie and then the show. Because I think the show had all always been a plan. Or maybe it was um, when the 2019 Child's Play remake was announced. Which was announced in 2018. This movie came out in 2016. Maybe when that movie was announced and you know they couldn't do anything to stop it. Which we'll get into that here in a minute. Maybe that's when they decided, okay, we'll scrap the movie, but now we'll do the TV series. And hopefully some of the things that they set up in Cult still carry over into the series. All I know about the series is it's going to be just about like how Chucky affects the people of this like suburban town, like not only by what he's doing, but then getting people to reveal themselves and secrets within the suburban town and take on different stories like that. That sounds very interesting. Apparently we'll find, we'll get characters from past movies that have survived. So hopefully Kyle, hopefully Glenn slash Glenda, hopefully uh, it follows Nika and Andy. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I just have the feeling that when they made this movie, they were planning on doing another movie because the movie just ends with Chucky in Nika's body um, I think all the Chucky dolls are dead at this point, except no, because he's Chucky is also still in one of the dolls at the very end of the movie, sitting in the mental institute still. 
and that's how the movie ends and it's kind of weird but so I just I just don't know what their plan was or the reasoning or if Don Mancini just said oh I finally get my chance to do multiple Chuckies I need to do it so it is what it is and it worked some of the time and it did give us some good moments but overall it just lead led to more questioning like how I questioned all the lore from that they changed and retconned in Curse of Chucky so my next talking point again we got to hit Don Mancini's growth we see growth from this man in every movie and that's a good filmmaker if you're learning from your past mistakes and you're improving and making and your next film is better than your last film that's amazing this has some really great shots in it it um and so this time so the last movie went through this like you know for a dark gothic color palette this one does the opposite we're in a mental institute so we have these just blinding white walls and just like you're just surrounded by these white walls the white uniforms and it's just so disorienting and kind of puts you in a weird i don't know trying to get you into the mental state of the patients of the institute it's just uh it's like very dizzying to look at um there's um he just has some like i said he has well composed shots with some symmetrical shots he's got a split diopter shots in there he has um some slow motion um scenes in there when he kills certain characters like uh this character claire he um kills her by setting off a, a co2 tank and shooting it up into the glass window and the glass you know falling on her in slow motion and decapitates her lots of blood it's a it's a killer shot um chucky has a great one-liner where he says man i even scare myself sometimes it's uh you know he has some really killer sequences he directs um you know again he switches up the genre so now we have this you know psychological thriller within the mental institute still have your slasher elements but um I do wish that he kind of went into the psychological elements again because in the like somewhere between the second and third act he brings in these weird fucking glitchy um and daydream fucking imagery while Nika's hypnotized which is fun we get like a fucking giant chucky chasing her around we have these like images um you know because they're always shouting out previous like you know old horror films and i think it's definitely a nod to the exorcist with some of the subliminal like flashes of chucky here and there and i kind of wish they went into that psychological like trippiness a little bit more maybe it'll be something that goes in tv show but i get it because i get that um this series is i mean aside from it being a doll possessed by the soul of a serial killer it's a straightforward it's pretty straightforward and grounded to a degree as grounded as a killer doll movie can be the series has been but then it went goes into you know trippy psychedelic you know weird nightmare situation stuff and i think it that kind of threw people off with the tone here but like i said that's what this series does it keeps you on your toes as far as genre goes like it just it really you know keeps you guessing and this one mixes the comedy and the serious tones really well uh once again like so going into my next point they got to have chucky they brought his personality back not that it went anywhere from the previous films but they scaled back in curse 
But now they get to double down on Chucky because, I mean, not only do we get the multiple Chucky, so they each even have their, like, kind of different quirks. You know, I mean, they obviously, they're in different shapes physically from their dolls, but then they are still, like, I don't get how the multiple ones work either because, like, it's still him, but multiple, it, like, it's, it's like more, it's like a clone situation. I don't know. It's it's really weird, but it just gives us more Brad Dourif to fucking flex his chops. It this might be Brad Dourif's best performance, um, right up there with Child's Play two as far as Brad Dourif's vocal performance, and he's um is he's very great in Curse of Chucky too. I mean, Brad Dourif is just great across the board, but Cult of Chucky, like I said, we get a lot of personality. We get to see different versions of Chucky. And then it's just like, you know, him interacting with these mental patients because, you know, Chucky is very insensitive and he just doesn't have like the patience for anything. He doesn't have the patience for kids. So how do you think he feels about a bunch of mentally ill people? I mean, so like there's this really great conversation with him and um, a character, Angela, who is one of the patients that really does not deserve the death, especially not the brutal one that she got, but Chucky is fucking evil like that and he like she's like you're not real I'm schizophrenic because he goes you're talking to a doll possessed by the soul of a serial killer and you're not fading she's like you're not real he's like yeah yeah blah 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 and they just like have this funny banter for a second and he just like kind of looks and goes you know what I'll be back for you later I got other things to do but I'll be back for you later And then as he's walking away, he says, he goes, man, it's a fucking cuckoo's nest around here. Referencing his role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That is a horror blind spot for me. I still have not seen that movie and I really want to and need to. But I do know that Brad Dorff, that's where he got his Oscar nomination. So shout out to them always referencing other horror movies. And Chucky, not only do we get more personality. I mean, I said it about him in child's play three that he's like killing kids and shit but i mean man here chucky is evil because once again like i said i mean all these victims are mentally ill people so do any of them deserve the deaths that they get even though they're mentally ill criminals uh keep that in mind they're not just mentally ill people they are mentally ill criminals that have done terrible things but that's don mancini's commentary on you know mental health and that kind of state like how do you treat those people you know is it still their faults and just like kind of makes you question it makes you question if they deserve to die the way that they do but just the fact that he's wreaking havoc on people that can't exactly fend for themselves in the best way I guess is kind of mean-spirited but and in this movie, you know, he, he really just wants to fuck with Andy and Nika for a little bit before he eventually takes Nika's body. Because we get a real, I forgot the scene was in here, but it's a really great scene that Nika tries to kill herself. She takes a spoke from her wheelchair and she slits her wrist and she tries to kill herself. But then Chucky sees her and fucking stitches her fucking wrists up and in the puddle says, not so fast. He fucking saves her from killing herself because he wants to fucking either do it himself, but then we find out he just wanted to take her body, and it's just been this long fucking revenge against the Pierce family for no reason. It's fucking, he's, he's, it's, it's fucked. 
you know? He's really evil in this one. Like, the way, and then, like, because, and then the way he kills Madeline, too. It, you know, the, the gal that she she killed, you find out she killed her kid, and, you know, she pretends that the Chucky doll, she's, so I guess she is almost our child surrogate for this one because she's the one carrying and carrying around Chucky and talking to him and shit. But it's because she killed her real life kid. And it's like, you know, therapy shit. So I guess she's the the child surrogate for this one. But then, you know, she fucking does what she, what he wants her to do. And then, you know, she's just talking. He's saying that he's going to kill her. And then she's like, does it hurt? And instead of, you know, he could have showed a little bit of mercy. And I think it would have been a nice thing like weird thing to see if Chucky if he goes you know what I am gonna give you a quick and painless death even though that's like not his style you know like especially if he would have been like man she's more fucked up than me she killed a baby I mean I don't think they said oh no it was a baby because it said what she said wouldn't stop crying so so again I don't know it might have been interesting for him to kill her and show her some mercy but at the same time he goes no, I'm going to make it hurt. And he just kills her by shoving his arm down her throat and like ripping part of her throat out and then making it look like she just like did it herself. Like that was just, it was brutal and it kind of felt mean spirited. But at the same time, that that lady killed a baby. So it's like, uh, I'm stuck. The only person that I can for sure say did not deserve the death that he got was Carlos. Was he a little bit complicit with Dr. Foley? Yes. Did he know what Dr. Foley was doing with all the patients? Maybe not. Was he nice to most of the patients? Yeah. Carlos was a good guy. He was also gay. Totally forgot that. Um, You know, because, I mean, obviously at the end we get to see fucking Nika and Tiffany make out a little bit. So, I mean, I remembered that. But then I didn't remember that they just like casually throw in Carlos when he's meets Nika and they're talking about her being in a wheelchair and he goes, oh yeah, my boyfriend has MS and it's cool. It's just a nice little nod, threw a gay character in, didn't need to make a big deal about it. It's never mentioned again in the rest of the movie. Carlos definitely doesn't look gay or anything, but hey, he's there and he's a very nice character. Unfortunately, he got fucking a nice brutal death like everybody else did. But yeah, and then, but Chucky does have um, some resentment, or does have a little bit of mercy, which I will flip back up now. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I'm going up in my notes because I didn't do it in the order. The The last like note was, so with this mental institute setting, and I mean, I've kind of just been talking about it here and there, about the patients and the way that works, the blinding white aesthetic, how it works, but then... When we come to this mental institute setting, there's always an evil psychiatrist or evil psychologist or evil mental institute ward or nurse. We've seen this archetype in many films. And this guy, I mean, he plays it up, the actor at least, his performance, because I feel like they could have got a better actor to play this role. Because Dr. Foley, borderline, more evil than Chucky, is definitely the most evil and like scariest and just disgusting secondary villain that we've had in a Chucky movie. Cause that's another interesting thing that Chucky has. I, I mentioned it earlier is that 
even in addition to Chucky, there's always a human secondary antagonist. And here it's Dr. Foley because we find out like, yeah, he did get Nico transfer and all this stuff. But then we find out that he fucking like sexually assaults her when he's, when she's hypnotized. Now, what is nice is Don Mancini didn't have the need to get super graphic with it or to explain it or to show it really. All he does is show her kissing or show him kissing her, but then he mentions all the private sessions they've had. And then you remember that this movie has taken place four years since the last one. So we don't know when she got assigned to Dr. Foley, but so we're talking about potential years of sexual assault while she's hypnotized that is fucked up and fucking even chucky you know fucking brings attention to it first he just knocks him out which you know annoyed me i was like why you just knock him out but he just knocks him out and he goes man the this he goes i know i'm bad but this guy right here is another level like jeez like i don't know he and then when he's talking about him later on because um, he gets knocked out, but then later on, when Dr. Foley comes back around and then um, puts Nika on a straitjacket in her wheelchair and wants to fucking mess with her some more because he pretty much says, like, yeah, I'm the one that got you transferred here, but now I'm going to have to transfer you back because everybody thinks that Nika is murdering the patients. And he's like, you know, and then I could have built a good life for us. And then just one of the weirdest scenes, Dr. Foley pulls out a present it was a big box. I thought it was another Chucky doll, which I was like, why would he have another Chucky doll? But then he brings out this box and it's a pair of red wedge heels. And so Nika, in case you guys forgot, is in a wheelchair. (laughs) She can't walk and she can't feel anything in her legs, which a lot of people have made a point to. Except, I guess, when you're paralyzed from the waist down, you can feel it. Because she has sex with uh, Malcolm earlier, which, get it, Nika. Because, I mean, it's been at least four years since she's had some sex. And I'm sure that happens in mental institutes all the time. Like in those ones where they have the freedom. So, uh, get it, Nika. But don't get it from fucking Dr. Foley. Which, ah, that even... Because at first I was like, ah, the sexual assault, at least she's paralyzed and she... And she's hypnotized too, but no, like, she's hypnotized, so it's like, does she, I wonder, how would she not know? So, okay, maybe he hasn't raped her in her sleep while she's hypnotized, but he's at least done some, like, weird shit because he's kissing her. And then here, he puts the red wedges after he's, like, kissing and rubbing her feet, which she can't feel, which I guess maybe that's why he's doing it, and then puts, so he has a foot fetish for a girl in a wheelchair, I mean, I'm not one to kink shame, but I am going to kink shame this evil son of a bitch. I don't know. Um, but like I said, he is definitely, he's the worst, sec- like, and when I say worst as in best, the most evil secondary villain of this franchise. And uh, and I'm really glad that he just gets his face stomped in with those wedges by, because now at this point, Chucky has possessed Nika. He is in Nika's body which is cool for many reasons. We get to see one, we got to see Fiona Doro's acting chops. Two, it adds to the legacy of the Brad and Fiona working together because now Fiona is portraying the character her dad plays, 
but like is possessed. So she is possessed by her father's character. That's that's really fucking cool. Like, I don't know. I just can't get over that. And I just love that they get to work together. And he fucking stomps Dr. Foley in. And Chucky even says, this is for Nika. Because he was just like, whenever he decided to do it, or when he busts in and saves Nika from Dr. Foley, he's just like, he goes, I can't with this guy. I don't know whether to kill him or take notes. Because he's just like, he's so evil. So I love that he just like brutally stomps Nika's head in. He says, you know, this is for Nika because he just fucking deserved that shit. And um, the movie ends. Nika leaves Andy locked in the Institute, which, oh yeah, like I said, Andy just randomly at some point popped back in, um, got to kill one of the Chucky dolls, but then got locked inside one of the rooms. Nika, well, Chucky, Chucky, Nika, Chuckita, <laughs> Chuckita leaves um, the Institute, gets picked up by Tiffany. They make out for a little bit. She goes, oh, well, this is, or he goes, well, this is different. She goes, I don't mind. So we got fucking some more gayness up in here. Tiffany is bi. I mean, I guess Chucky is technically bisexual here, maybe. I don't know. That's a gray area. I'll have to ask Don Mancini about that if I ever get the chance. (laughs) Wink, wink. And, but I don't know. So I guess, yeah, Chucky and Tiffany, bisexual icons. Glenn slash Glenda, transgender icon. We got Kyle and Child's Play 2. Uh, bisexual icon, Carlos, gay icon, fucking Don Mancini, queer horror icon. Thank you, Mr. Mancini. And uh, yeah, that's about all I have for uh, Cult of Chucky. Oh, and just another note, fucking Joseph uh, LaDuca kills it again on the score. Like really some really good shit. Like he just like takes similar stuff from from uh, the original score he doesn't work the sound in, which upsets me. The like they kind of did it once in Curse of Chucky, but there's this like like sinking spring sound, and he doesn't work it into this one, so that's upsetting. But um, Curse and Cult of Chucky are just like they're what I want from these movies. Like I said, in terms of the blend of straightforward serious horror, comedy, fucking blood, gore. Uh, weirdness. It just has a little bit of everything. So I really do like these two. Um, Curse, or Curse, like I said, it's a lot tighter and cleaner. However, I do like Fiona and Brad Dorif's performances more in Colt. I like the kills in Colt. Colt's a little bit funnier. And so, you know, they're about on the same level. And I put those two on the same level as the original Child's Play. So there you go. If you can figure that out, you you got some of my rankings a little bit. I think you can figure out how I rank these films, but I'm going to do a whole separate video about that. But before we close out this extra long episode, I need to address Child's Play 2019. I wasn't going to because it upset me when this movie came out because of the way that it came out. Because... Like I said, the the Child's Play series was still going. I assumed that they were going to make another movie after Cult of Chucky in addition to this TV show or vice versa. <clears throat> but so what happened was Child's Play 1, the original Child's Play, was released under MGM. And then after that, the movies were sold to Universal and released under Universal from there on in. However, 
I guess it was the rights of Chucky and and Child's Play still remained with MGM to some degree. They still had the rights. And I think the only thing was they didn't have the rights to good guy dolls because now they're changed to buddy dolls in this one. And it's a different toy company as well. So I don't know how this whole rights thing worked, but it's stupid. Because the only because like I said, Don Mancini, the creator, was still making his movies and him and Jennifer Tilly and people involved with the Child's Play franchise, because obviously like they've kept a lot of the same crew and cast and all these people on for the past 30 years. You know, it's it's a fucking franchise with 30 years of history and it's still going. But then there the former production company says, yeah, we're still going to make another one. It was we're going to remake it. And so I was very against it. Like, you know, Don Mancini was upset about it. So was Jennifer Tilly. A lot of horror fans were upset about it. So I just, I really wasn't around the idea of it. So I just hadn't watched it. I just hadn't until today. I did watch the kill count for it on Dead Meat, but that was it. I hadn't actually watched it. And I already kind of had an idea of how I was going to feel about it going in. And it was exactly that. And pretty much and what happened because I remember like I said the horror community was a little split by it but then once the movie came out people were like oh hey this is actually pretty good or it's decent enough at least as a 63% Rotten Tomatoes so I mean it was fresh most people that saw it liked it it was almost like 50-50 which I would put in the divisive category so I mean I guess it is close but a lot of people were like you know what I gave it a chance it was as bad as I thought it was gonna be which is fine to daddy, and it kind of upsets me even more, because I thought the movie, I actually liked a lot of things about it. It's a, it's a, it's a really solid movie. It's not great, but it's really solid, but it, it 100% confirmed my idea that I had going into the movie, which was, which was, okay, this is a good movie, does it need to be a child's play slash Chucky movie? And the answer to that is no, it did not. This movie, it could have won. It could have been a Black Mirror episode. Um, I guess if they didn't want to get into the character stuff as much. I mean, they kind of did do this in Black Mirror with um the Ashley 2 episode to a degree. But this could have been in, you know, that tech. I mean, it is a techno horror genre. It belongs or it is a techno horror film belongs in that genre. Um, but it it could have stood on its own, and literally all it would needed to do was change the names. It didn't need to be Karen and Andy Barkley, which I thought was bullshit. It didn't need the doll. Didn't need to be Chucky, even though they just used it for a funny bit when he goes, "Oh, what's my name?" Han Solo, and then he goes, "My name's Chucky," and he's like, "Not even close." Yeah, funny, but is that the only reason? So. They didn't need to do all this, and they didn't need the doll to look like Chucky. So, the the studio knew that they had the rights to the Chucky movie, and they go, okay, we're going to make money off it, we're going to remake it. But then, they got a really good, like, film crew to do it, is the thing. Like, they got, um, you know, uh, it's it looks really good. Like, it actually is, a, like, very quality um high quality as far as production goes. It was um, directed by Lars Klevberg. 
um, with a screenplay written by Tyler Burton Smith. But um, it looks really well. Like the color in this movie is fantastic. Like the color, the color correction on it is really good. Um, it just it, it looks really well. It's shot really well, you know, because this is also made in 2019. Higher budget. Um, I mean, not even a super high budget. It was made on 10 million dollars, but still higher than the previous ones have been. But the whole thing is, this movie could have worked on its own. Just change the names, come up with your own doll design and name. Because the fact that he's Chucky is incidental, because it's not possessed by a supernatural doll, which is the whole case behind Child's Play. So they call this a reimagining. They don't even call it a remake, which, okay, fine. It's doing the premise in a different way, which the the plot of the movie, which is also different enough to stand on its own as its own film. And I always say, if you're going to remake a film, you know, update it for current times or have a good reason to do it, approach it differently narratively or um, in a different tone. And they do that. So it's like I go against my own, my own, you know, criteria as far as like what makes a good remake. And they do those things. But I, like I said, I think just the fact that it was made in spite of the director and creator who is still making these films, it just, it just comes, it doesn't come off good to me. And that's why it's just like, why not make your own franchise, your own series, make a new horror icon. It's the same thing that happened when they made Puppet Master and Demonic Toys. Did either of those movies, um, I mean, actually no, Puppet Master movies are still fucking happening. They fucking made one like two years ago. So it's like, you can coexist and have these movies coexist together. Cause it's like, yeah, even if they would have made this movie, even if they would have made this movie a different name or, and changed things up, even if they would have did that, it would have gotten comparisons to child's play. We all know that. But the fact that this movie, if they would have just had confidence in it and been confident that it could stand on its own, maybe it could have. But at the same time, it's about money. This is a fucking industry and they have the child's play name and they want to fucking make money. So it is what it is. But like I said, I enjoyed this movie more than I wanted to. Aubrey Plaza is great as usual. The kid that plays Andy, he's kind of annoying, but I like how they approach his character different. This isn't about childhood trauma. It's about, you know, loneliness and the loneliness of trying to be a kid and make friends and things like that. And they add more kids to the movie, which is nice. Um, you know, you have these kids squaring off against Chucky. And the kids supporting characters are cool and fun. But um, didn't love them. Um, the kills are great. It's, there's some really brutal kills. They're bloody. They're violent. You get fucking legs breaking. You get people getting skinned. Um, I will say it pisses me off that they kill off one of the only black characters that did not deserve it. I thought they killed Detective Mike too, but then they didn't. But they killed his mom who 100% did not deserve it. That really sucked. And like the and the kills were fun, especially the very first one when he kills fucking Shane and fucking breaks his legs and they skin him and he says and fucking a call back to an earlier scene he says this is for Tupac. Okay. Like all right, I'll give you that, but one, another reason it could have, and another reason it could have been its own thing and a whole different doll, because they, 
barely utilize Mark Hamill's voice and allow him to perform and give this character, you know, personality because it's just a robot voice. So it's like they don't even use Mark Hamill that much and this doll looks like shit. Like it's unsettling and creepy, but not in the good way that Chucky is or Chucky's supposed to be. It, it just, it didn't need to be. Like, fucking shoot, reshoot this movie and keep everything exactly the same, except for just change the names and the way that Chucky looks. This is its own movie, its own franchise, because obviously they're going to try and make more. But just why? It, so it's upsetting. But, you know, it's actually a good movie. Am I going to watch it again? Probably not. I will 100%. I mean, I love the scores. And my boy, Joseph LaDuca from Colton Curse of Chucky, but fucking Child's Play 2019 got Bear McCreary and that dude knows how to fucking make some scores. So fucking really great score. I love any score that incorporates fucking chanting of some sort, especially when it's kid chanting is a really good one. So that's, I'm going to leave it at that for Child's Play 19. This is a very long episode, but I don't care. I had a lot to talk about. Because I think you can tell that I like these movies, these two, probably the most. Even though Child's Play 2 is the best one. But we did it. Or I did it. But we did it. We did it together. I'm glad you guys were here. I hope you guys enjoyed this three-part recap of the Child's Play franchise. Um, It was the perfect one to close out Pride Month. You know, this is coming out on the very last day of June. So it's perfect. Close out Pride Month. And I realized, you know, because I didn't make this decision until like a few weeks ago, but then a lot of people have been doing it and a lot of people are finally giving this series and Don Mancini the credit he deserves, one, for being an underrated series, but two, the credit that he deserves for what he's brought to the queer community as far as horror movies go. So um, I'm glad that a lot of other people, not just me, have been rewatching these movies and going back in and hopefully, you know you listen to this podcast and have went back and rewatched them yourself, but, but that's it. So, uh, it was broken up into three parts. I have not decided what the next franchise will be. And like I said, it just kind of depends. Oh, actually, no, I have depend decide on what the next franchise will be. Um, it will not, we will not do another franchise until August because next month I got, um, a special guest or two. I'm going to cover some fun summer movies. The next franchise starting in August will be the Blade franchise. I don't know if I'm going to just cover all three movies in one episode or if I will just give each one their own episode or just do one mega episode. I don't know, but I got a month to decide that. But like I said, the next few weeks are going to be, um, some really fun summer movies um, next week will be a one-off. Um, we are just cleansing the palate with some fun in the sun. Um, but only if you think cannibal bound muscle heads are your idea of fun. We're going to be talking about the bad batch next week. Uh, really enjoy this film. Excited to talk with you guys about it next week and excited just cause like, I mean, I love the Chucky franchise, but I am happy that it's done now and I'm good on watching anything Chucky related for a good minute. But uh yeah, that's that that's all I got. Make sure you guys follow me on social media 
at Bloody Blunts with three O's. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Uh, write a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Tweet the show out to your friends. <sighs> That's all I got, you know? Fucking put that spooky shit in your pipe and smoke it and pass it and stay lifted. <laughs>